0: What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James, and welcome back to our midweek Bible study. Last week, we covered all of chapter 10 as Paul once again defended his authority as an apostle. If you missed it, I really encourage you to go back and catch up because it leads perfectly into chapter 11 today, and uh, Paul is talking about all that he has done for the Corinthian church as an apostle, which is very contradictory to the false apostles that um, he keeps referring to and that... They have worked with, uh, basically they've just worked their way into the Corinthian church and kind of started taking advantage of them. So read with me as we will probably only cover about the first half of chapter 11. So let's read verses 1 through 15. That's probably all we're going to get to today. So it says, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. But I won't consider myself in fear in any way to these super-apostles Who teach you such things? I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I am not lacking knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you, and I never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you? God knows that I do. But I will continue doing what I have always done, and this will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Alright, so... Paul is obviously continuing on with his defense as an apostle from chapter 10, which we talked about in the beginning of today's study, and he asked the Corinthians to put up with a little more of his foolishness, and, and this is where you kind of see, once again, some of Paul's sarcasm. Um, it's a little bit of jousting towards the Corinthians and towards the false apostles, Um And really, you you see a lot of his sincerity in it as well. So he's using all this to really express his sincerity in in wanting the Corinthian church to be reconciled and wanting to be accepted by them and wanting his authority to be accepted by them. And Paul said that he was jealous for them, but it's not a worldly jealousy. And I think that's really important to understand that... um, he refers to this as a godly jealousy. And, you know, if you go back and you read the Old Testament, when God gives Moses and the people of Israel the covenant in the Old Testament, he declares that he is a jealous God. And so jealousy, um, if carefully done, can be done in the right way. Um, So I just want you to use your imagination for a moment. And so, don't try to imagine a man pursuing a woman because he genuinely cares for her, because that's extremely difficult to do. I mean, I love my wife so much. She is such a wonderful woman. She's a wonderful woman of God. She is amazing. But if I were to tell you that um, I pursued her and everything I do, I do exactly for her, I would be lying. Um Our marriage, one of the reasons why I love our marriage so much is because I feel like we really do complement one another. And so using the pursuit of a a significant other in a relationship is not uh, as good of an analogy. So I'm going to use this analogy of being a father or a mother who has a child. And if you've ever had children and you love and you care for your children the way you should, um, you will know that... You sacrifice a lot for them. You do a lot for them that they never realize, um, especially early on in life. And I will say that my own parents did a lot for me that I didn't realize until I got older. And once I became an adult, once I became a parent, once I started working full-time and doing all those things, I realized a lot of the things that they did for me that I just could not understand as a child. And I'm very grateful for that. And they really have always wanted the best for me despite um, many, many things. And so try to imagine a parent who has a child that is trying to give them advice. Um, They're trying to instruct and give wisdom and give the best information they can possibly give while they are watching their child, maybe being taken advantage of in friendships or maybe being taken advantage of in a relationship uh, from someone else. And, you know, as a parent, there comes a point in time when you can't force your child to obey you anymore. Basically, your child grows up to the age where they have to decide for themselves and, and basically you can only plead for them to listen to you. And accept what you're saying. And I think that's more along the lines of what Paul was doing in this situation. And when he talks about jealousy, it's not like he's jealous over this woman who won't give him her attention. It's almost like a jealousy of a father who has a child that he greatly cares for and doesn't want that child to be misled or taken advantage of in any way. And the child is is making it very difficult. Uh, they're not really allowing the father to come in. And Paul even refers to the Corinthians as his spiritual children and that he is their spiritual father because he was the one who brought the gospel there. Now, um, but in this, you know, Paul is not just watching his children, his spiritual children, um, make bad mistakes, but he's pleading with them and trying to steer them away from these false apostles because the false apostles are trying to take advantage of them and it's not just causing them harm here but they're jeopardizing their very souls and paul talks about the false gospel and the false uh, jesus um, a different spirit than the ones that they had received and so paul is acknowledging that the fact that they had been saved they had received the gospel they had received christ they had even received the spirit um they had been filled with the spirit and so Paul is acknowledging this, but he's also trying to say, "Hey, the teachings of these false apostles are taking these things away from you. They're leading you in the wrong direction." And uh, <clears throat> in the midst of this, Paul—this is kind of why Paul talks about—you know—he has betrothed them to Christ as a, a bride, and during this time, only a father could betroth their child in marriage. Only they could arrange that and have that set up. And so Paul is explaining that basically the Corinthians had already been spoken for in Christ, but now that promise of marriage, that promise of eternal unity is being jeopardized as they seem to have been deceived, which takes us into the next little portion of Scripture where Paul begins to talk about the Corinthians is being like Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he talks about how Eve was deceived by the serpent because the serpent's very cunning and he's very sharp and he's very convincing. And in verse 4, Paul talks about how the Corinthians happily listen to whatever anyone tells them. And this isn't any surprise because... um, The Corinthian culture was known for looking for new thoughts and new ideas, and they loved hearing people talk, and they loved knowledge. And uh, this was a trademark of their culture. They loved new ideas. They loved discussing new things. However, when you accept Christ and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, this does not permit us to accept new ideas and teachings about Christ or the Gospel or the Spirit. It is the same message that has been for 2,000 years. And when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and you are putting your trust and faith in Him, what you are doing is you are communicating the fact that you have heard absolute truth and you are accepting in your heart that there is nothing else in the world to add to it or to take away from it but the message of the gospel of jesus christ is good enough and is sufficient for salvation and is sufficient for all things so these super apostles as paul is referring to them um, are are misleading the corinthian church they're bringing in a different gospel about a different jesus and about a different spirit And the people of Corinth are really struggling with this because their their thought process is to accept new knowledge and information. That's kind of instinctual for that group of people. And so they were struggling with this a lot. But Paul knows that he is in the truth and that Jesus is the truth and the gospel is the truth. And he knows that the things of God seem like foolishness to the rest of the world, especially to these Corinthians who claim to be so very smart. And these super apostles are teaching all of these new things, all of these false ideas. And Paul says that he may not meet the standard of, of their speaking ability, but it doesn't mean that he is absent of knowledge. And Paul has made the knowledge of God very clear to them from the very beginning. He's explained the expectations of what it means to be a Christian very clearly from the very beginning and nothing has changed. Now in verse 7, we see where Paul is going back to some of his arguments that he used in in his letter uh, from 1 Corinthians. And he talks about how he brought the message of the good news to them without payment and without expecting anything. Now Paul actually talks about how he felt like his his ministry to the Corinthians <coughs> was robbing other churches so that the Corinthians could be served at no cost. Now, this was a big deal because if you remember in the past couple of weeks, we've talked about how wealthy the people of Corinth were. They were an extremely wealthy city. They were an extremely wealthy group of Christians. And uh, Paul talks about how His ministry to them was robbing other churches because other churches were funding that ministry. And apparently this whole issue about money and payment and genuine service seems to be a running theme uh, between Paul and the Corinthian church. And Paul even talks about being with the Corinthians and not even having enough to live on. He, He didn't have enough to survive. And he says that even in that, He didn't ask for anything, but the saddest part is is that the people of Corinth never offered Paul anything. Even out of their abundance of wealth, they never offered Paul uh, relief in his ability to survive. But rather, (coughs) it was brothers and sisters from Macedonia that came and gave Paul what he needed in order to survive while he was there ministering. Now, if you remember last week's study... We talked about the Macedonians being from the north and they were poor. They did not have nearly as much wealth as the Corinthians and yet the Macedonians were the ones who were giving in abundance to the believers in Jerusalem. The Macedonians were the ones who were giving to Paul and taking care of him so that he could minister. And so it's amazing at how um, a lot of times blessings can inherently be curses if we're not careful to use them to honor God. So the Corinthians had abundant had an abundance of, of financial ability to support and bless others, but yet they held tightly to that and were not very quick to do that. And so, we have to remember that we got to give an account for all those things, give an account for how we honor God with things that He's given us. So, um, in all this, Paul. Claims that he has never been a burden and he proclaims that he never will be a burden to the people of Corinth. I mean, the relationship... Now, Paul has talked about how much he loves them, how much he has bragged on them, and he probably does. But apparently the whole issue about him being supported and him not having enough and the Corinthians not wanting to support him in his ministry... Apparently, Paul has made up his mind to where he is never going to be a burden to them. He will never ask them for anything. Basically, Paul just wants to minister to them and love on them without them ever having to give or sacrifice anything on his behalf. And this is the one thing that Paul says that he can boast about. And it gives his ministry validity compared to these false or super apostles as Paul refers to them. Because... Paul humbled himself before the Corinthians and before God to make sure that the gospel was proclaimed and that Jesus was the only thing glorified by Paul. And Paul professes his love for the Corinthians. And once again, he refers to God knowing how much he loves them. He loves these people. And Paul cares what the Corinthians think about. And he cares um, about what they believe. But inevitably... God is the judge, and God will be the one that holds them all accountable in all this. Now, in verse 12, Paul insists that he will continue to do what he's been doing all along. He knows by serving without expectation that it will thwart and ruin any opportunity for the false apostles to brag about their works and compare them to Paul's. These false apostles, or super apostles, as Paul uses in this chapter, have expectations from the Corinthians because of their works. They are very proud of their works, and they expect to be compensated for their works. And Paul has made a commitment to continue to do this for free. Because he loves them, and he wants the message of the gospel to be proclaimed above all else. So Paul wraps up the section by calling the apostles what they are. He calls them servants of Satan. Um, Those are pretty strong fighting words. And like the master that they serve, um, they disguise themselves as being better than they really are. As Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, these false apostles disguise themselves as being righteous, but they're not. And Paul doesn't seem to be threatened by them at all no matter what he <clears throat> excuse me no matter what he knows that their deeds will be punished by God because God is the ultimate judge so so Paul if these false apostles are continued to be accepted by the Corinthians Paul's will be heartbroken because he loves the Corinthians but he's not threatened by that cuz he knows inevitably these men will be punished. He knows the Corinthians will be held accountable. And Paul knows that he will be held accountable. And as long as he continues to offer himself in brotherly love, as an apostle, presenting the gospel without requiring anything from these people, he knows he can stand before Christ with confidence and be accepted by him in eternity. Now the question is, is whether or not we as believers can have that same attitude. For us today... there are so many things that burden us down and get in our way and become hindrances to our relationship with Christ. So I just want to ask you before we close out today, do you feel like if you died right now and you had to stand before the Lord, if you could stand before Him in confidence? If so, that is great. We should be so thankful for that. But if not, maybe you can just take the next few moments to contemplate what it is that's keeping you from being confident about standing before the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to say thank you so much for this day and this time together. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for our lives. Father, we just uh, ask that you would watch over us and guide us, speak into our hearts. Help us to surrender to you. Lord, help us to live in such a way that we can stand before you in confidence one need to know that you will gladly accept us because we have given all to you. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for everything. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in for another week. As always, we're so thankful you're a part of the Graham Chapel family. And if you can't be on campus this weekend, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. As always, we're love. we love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.